Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. It's Christmas! We're walking in the air, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the 12 Rambles of Christmas. We're at number two, the penultimate one. Oh. We're at uh, sort of Ramble Eve. Yes, yeah. I so. I suppose so. Oh, yeah. I've got that Christmas spirit. I've left out some ramble carrots for ramble reindeers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they got football boots on as well. <laughs> I can hear them. I can hear them on the roof. How been, does a ramble reindeer differ from a normal reindeer? They're wearing Adidas Predators. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> been on the ramble sherry all day as well, haven't you? <laughs> um, well, yes, 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 ladies yes. and gentlemen. Welcome to number two in our countdown of the 12 rambles of Christmas, a daily countdown of what we see as the 12 defining topics in football since we began the football ramble back in 2007, Luke. We've had a funny old run. It's been good, hasn't it? It's been a great run so far. Yeah, let's keep the energy up. There's two left. <laughs> yeah. And this is the second to last one. Penultimate. Yeah. It's the end of the Alex Ferguson era. Big. 
Yeah, so big it stunned everyone <laughs> yeah. into silence. Whoa. What do you want us to do? Ah! Luke, sell them are you speechless. I wasn't ready. I didn't know you were going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd get a bit of preamble first. You're, you're too busy uh, too busy, thankful for the man's time at Manchester United. At the end of the Darren Ferguson era. Come on, off we go. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is, uh, again, we spoke about this on the FIFA one, but it was something that just never felt like it would happen, even yeah. though we knew time marches on. But he just he just kept going and kept being relevant in the game. Absolutely. That's the key thing. Kept being this, relevant. We debated, tell, this will tell its own story, we debated about the naming of this episode. Should we call it the end of the Alex Ferguson era at Manchester United? Or should or we call it... off Taggart. Should we... <laughs> <laughs> you promise you wouldn't undermine this one. <laughs> I said, give me one. Mate. Just give me one. It's keggy tomorrow. So and it's taking you two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Don't let the cat out of the bag. 12-point blowing, blowing of a lead tomorrow will be quite, quite the occasion. Um, but no, no. And, and we thought, no. Alex Ferguson is someone who has affected, whether you want to admit it or not, when you're sitting at home or sitting on the train listening to this, Alex Ferguson is the defining manager in England, mm-hmm. arguably ever. Yep. Oh, yeah. So we're just going to call it the mm-hmm. end of the Alex Ferguson era because mm-hmm. it was an era and it affected everything. The dynasty. Yes. Well, he tried to leave a dynasty and he didn't quite manage to. <laughs> <laughs> More on yeah. that in a minute. <laughs> More on the succession. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, indeed, yeah. Well, on the 6th of November 1986, Ferguson was appointed manager at Manchester United. Go on, Luke, for old time's sake. Um, tw- 19 years after the summer of love. Yeah. Not that many, really. No, it's no. not. That's a surprisingly short. And I, and I think that's relevant. That's why I said it. Yeah, it is. You it's know. a good point, Marcus. Thank well you, done. brother. Well, when he took over Manchester United, they hadn't won the league since 1967. A little bit of time, of course. And Ferguson didn't win the league for a few years until, um, you know, uh, his first league title at Manchester United for, for a few years. But he vowed to knock Liverpool off their perch. They'd been dominated English football for some time. And my didn't he? Yeah, um, it's such a bold kind of mission statement as well. You're yeah. really setting yourself up for a fall. It shows the confidence he had in himself. Yeah, during his time at Manchester United, he won 13 league titles. Five FA Cups, four League Cups, two Champions Leagues. One cup winner's cup. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> Christmas in the form of the Club World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and the Club World Cup in a pear tree. <laughs> and that year when they didn't enter the FA Cup. Yeah. Five FA Cups. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. What are they even four of? League Cups. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's do this. We're yeah, you're actually going to do it. Right, five FA Cups. I don't know what you won three of. Four League Cups. Uh, he won. Okay, so he won 11 uh, Premier League Manager of the Seasons Award and 27 Manager of the Months Award. All right, that goes <laughs> at the top. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I've got one for two. Two Nevilles. Okay, yeah, I like that. Let's go three bottles of red wine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ready? I'm he big... did win two Champions Leagues. We can put the Nevilles in if you want, but I oh. feel that... Uh, I prefer Nevilles. Yeah. I think right. he would too. Five FA Cups, four League Cups, three Red Wines, two Devils, and a Scott Yeah, well rehearsed, lads. Yeah, you can drill that. Yeah. Uh, he was also given a knighthood. Oh, we say that then. <laughs> oh, just the one, one knighthood. <laughs> and a knighthood in front of the queen. <laughs> and a knighthood from the, the queen. queen. There you go. Right. Mm. Edit that go. together, Pete. Right. Right. Brilliant. <laughs> a real episode for City fans, like, this, isn't it? Whack a, whack a beat under it. <laughs> Man City fans are loving this. Yeah. They've had their one, though. Yeah, they? they are. They're all right. At the, they, at the swamp. They can yeah. just look at the league table. They yeah. must have been thinking to themselves, yeah, take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, got to talk about Sir Alex Ferguson. Mm. One of, if not the greatest managers of all time, considered by yeah, many no people. No doubt. I'm putting it out there. I think he is the greatest club manager of all time. It, to my, in my purview, in my knowledge, mm. 
Yeah. I mean, because the game, I, I think we're all broadly in agreement, is probably the best it's ever been. And he, you know, ushered in team after team. Yeah. Like a lot of a lot of fans of, of clubs, you know, their memories of the peak of their club, it will be mm. a, it will be a specific side that was there for a season or a couple mm-hmm. of seasons. But with Ferguson, he created especially, great team after great team, and I don't know any, of anyone else that's ever done that really. Uh, yeah, especially with era. that longevity. And we've yeah. just done a very very well conceived um, part of a Christmas carol about the things he's won. So we don't need to go back onto that. Mm. But the three themes I pulled out when we were prepping for this, Jim, I'd, I'd just like to expand on what you said, and I agree with you. His constant ability to reinvent teams and strengthen while on top. Mm. Um, constant ability to make sure no player or individual is bigger than the club, yeah. which is easier said than done at the biggest club in the world, by the yes. way. And um, ability to play good football at just about all times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about yesterday about it, them being humbled by Guardiola's Barcelona, but by and large... Ferguson teams always play good football. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But to the point where, though, that you don't even really... It's just, it was just a, a given, wasn't it, that Man United played in a particular way. We, sort of, we joke about the West Ham way and you know, teams having a certain style of play. But with Man United, you, it just went without saying, of course they played well, of course they were good. They were Man United, they're the biggest team in the world. Why would they lump it? Yeah, and I think what you say there about Barcelona, you know, obviously we, we, um, the, the, the previous uh, one was about Pep Guardiola's Barcelona which possibly the greatest club side of all time. And it, and it was telling in those two finals when Manchester United lost 2-0. The 3-1, they were never going to win that. Mm. But with that 2-0 one, people just thought, you know, the famous Clive Tilsey line, Manchester United must, surely they'll score. They always score. Yeah. You did think that even yeah. though Manchester United would get pummeled, you thought, but they'll, bring, they'll get something yeah. out of this. Mm. So I think that was the strange thing. When they came up against that Barcelona side, it took probably the greatest club side ever, yeah. or one of them certainly, to, to convincingly beat Manchester United to the, to the point of in the second final they played when you thought, oh yeah, hands up, Manchester United are second best here. Because they were so relentless, Manchester United. They never knew when they were beaten. The last minute goals. Do you remember that FA Cup tie against Portsmouth? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I think, I that think is that, true. I think right. uh, the parallel with Pep Guardiola's Barcelona is a pretty good one because Alex Ferguson created a global brand. Yeah. With the style of football yes. the players he yeah. had mm. and the almost swashbuckling style he played at times Pep Guardiola did the same thing mm. don't he, you also he think... made a lot of money for a lot of people as did Pep <laughs> he did but don't you think Pete the other thing is it makes that even more impressive is, is Ferguson came along and managed through what we're living in now which I guess is rather cornerly called like the information revolution with the internet mm. and all this other stuff I mean Alex Ferguson's 75 years old yeah. most people's granddads can't even work a computer yeah. Yeah, he was able to stay on top at no point did you ever feel like and, and, a, and a good way of describing this would be lots of rivals came along mm-hmm. like Wenger yeah. Mourinho and they, and, they, and they would be able to beat him and yeah. beat his teams occasionally but he, he when he finished he was still winning league titles oh, man. so he, he never felt like he was overwhelmed by the, the changing nature mm, of the game no. he sort of really owned that he lost he? a few of one or two battles but he, he, he like, would win the war yeah, but he didn't yeah. but he did in the, it's like you said the information with, with um, uh, Jose and also um, and also Arsene Wenger when he saw slightly more um, uh, Baines, uh, bit, sort of yeah. thoughtful managers came in like he did still kick their ass and he didn't but he didn't get out early he didn't sort of go right my time's gone I'm a mm-hmm. bit of a dinosaur I'm getting out of here he didn't even massively change he just went I know who I am I know what the kind of team I want and, 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 just and that'll be good it, enough really. yeah, yeah, yeah completely and I think you know Jim you said about him re, what would be the, the sort of reinventing sides almost you know that, that season where he sold Ince and Kanchelskis mm. and so on like, what the hell are you doing that brought the youngsters in of course yeah. but he wouldn't be afraid to think actually uh, you're done and move them on. And, and one, in one sense, they were gambles, but in another sense, they were very calculated decisions. Mm. And his ability to do that and keep his mind sharp, because look, you said there, Luke, about you know, people's granddads being that old, can't work mobile phones or whatever it is. 
Ferguson, he was a great delegator, of course, you know, so he had very good people around him. But he managed to keep his mind sharp, even in a football sense. We look at some other managers who come in and, and we know what they're going to do. The kind of the older British manager. And sometimes that can be effective to mm. a point at a certain type of club. But for Ferguson to keep that going for so um, many years and to keep his mind fresh like that. Mm. Amazing. Well, apparently, do you remember, sorry, you've gone. Well, when Ferguson's dad retired, apparently he died shortly afterwards. Right, okay. And Ferguson had always feared. That you know, if he if he you know stopped being active, that, yeah, was, okay. that could be something that affected yeah. him. And that what what a motivation! I think that's a common fear among a lot mm. of people. But I, I, do you remember the talk speaking about him being good at delegating? It was quite a fashionable thing to say at one point that um, oh, it's his assistants. He just hires really yeah. good assistants, mm-hmm. and then he went through so many assistants. It was like <laughs> ah, it's not really because Karl <laughs> Kieran. Feeling and all the rest of them. None of them have really gone deep. No, that, to do that's, much. A, that's an excellent point. McLaren as well, you yeah. know. Or did win a Dutch title. He did. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We after the watershed. Can you say that? <laughs> How do you achieve a Dutch title? <laughs> um, yeah, Carlos Quiros, you know, went yeah. to manage Real Madrid and a few others. And Portugal, of course. Yeah, and Portugal, yeah. but didn't quite cut the mustard. Yeah. Shows, uh, so Ferguson was the denominator, and he's the only uh, manager, isn't he, to have won three, the English league three times in a row, yeah. and he's done that twice. Incredible. And you're talking about him retiring. I think lots and lots of football fans across England would have loved him to retire a lot earlier. Because if you weren't a Manchester United fan, it was just like, ugh, that man inflicts so much grief on so many other football clubs. Oh, God, yeah. He is, he's taken years off my life with the stress he's afforded me. <laughs> he's dominated He's dominated the game. He's absolutely dominated the English game. I mean, I mean, I, he was what, the king of the Premier League. One, of course. One of the um, facts I enjoy that I found uh, while researching this is that Opta the study and found that an extra 79 seconds on average were played in injury time when United were losing during the Ferguson era. Get a load of that. <laughs> but that's wow. it, his influence, was real, his, his influence wasn't just on the pitch. <clears throat> you know, he, <clears throat> he went into that press conference. He owned... Every, he, he, no, I, when I say king, it's more like the sort of godfather of the mm. Premier League. You know, mm. Everyone sung to his tune. Mm. And yeah. if they didn't, he would look disgustedly at them mm. and say, well, what's he, what does he... Sharp, get out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> he says, come from Japan. Um, <laughs> and so all get that. that one in there. But it's strange, strange indeed. But it's strange to think that he initially planned to retire in the summer of 2002. He yeah. announced this in the summer of 2001. Very odd. Mm. Changed his mind six months later. But again, Jim, sliding doors moment. Absolutely. Sven was touted. I mean, imagine that now. I mean, we were, can we, you imagine him retired at 60? No, exactly ridiculous. you just can't, yeah. can you? And can I mean, you imagine so Sven at Man United. You know, yes, I can. I don't right. want to do it again. Back, <laughs> back then, back then, it wouldn't have been as insane as it now sounds. But it, <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't have, uh, no, wouldn't that, have had the legacy. Indeed, indeed, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's. Do true. you think Sven would have won more in that period between 2002, 2013? <laughs> the, the problem is, we'll never know. Yeah, <laughs> that is a that. shame. It's a real shame. Did, did Sven even win the league with Notts County when he had like a billion pounds? I don't think he's... St- he won the league at Lazio, Peter. Yeah. Have a bit of respect. Sven's number one. We'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. Yeah. Well, Ferguson did retire at the end of the 2012-2013 season. And this time, he, he announced he was leaving in May when the league title had already been wrapped up. Man City had won the title the previous year. We, we spoke about that on that. And there was no way he was going to retire on that. No chance. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. I did think it was interesting. If Man City had become that dominant, would Ferguson still be there going, oh, we just want more? You know, yeah. I, I'm a huge Alex Ferguson fan, and I've bored people for years on this show and elsewhere about him. I think it would have been an absolute crime for yeah. him to whimper away like that. Yeah, I'm very, very pleased he, 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 he fittingly won the title in 2013. Very much so, yeah. And, and it was a bit of a gamble from Ferguson in, 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 in that sense, because Man City won the title the previous year. They were getting Stronger and stronger. Mm. They really were. And you got the impression that Ferguson wanted to show them one last time who's boss. Yeah. You know, he was never going to go out, especially to them, Luke, the noisy neighbours. Absolutely. 
And and my goodness, he got Van Persie in for that season, of course, and he he really uh, helped out as well. It's, it's quite funny in his last game in charge of Manchester United, they threw away a five-two lead to draw five-all at West Ham. Such an odd footnote. Yeah, one of the it? oddest yeah. games in Premier League history, that certainly because of the context, and also <laughs> also how often does he have five-five draw? Yeah. Very strange. That season, in his last one, they'd, they'd been knocked out of the Champions League by Real Madrid in, in round of 16. There was a sending off in that game, and it was, you know, but they did compete with Real Madrid, certainly. But they'd been an ever-present in the, in the Champions League from, from the early 90s, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and oh, they were a, a, a pure Champions League team. Yeah. Part yeah. of the I mean, furniture. The fact that they won the treble in the circumstances they did as well means they're one of the de- defining characteristics so, of yeah. the Champions League. Yeah. And, and when he did retire, though, no one knew who would take over. But everyone knew what a tough task it was going to be. Well, Absolutely. people looked at, um, at the eras between um, uh, George Graham and Arsene Wenger because mm. it's the, the nearest example with Bruce Riach coming in. Yeah. People were thinking there's probably going to be a full Stuart guy Houston there. as well, was he not involved? Uh, that was, I think, on a very, very temporary basis. Okay, right, but yeah. it, it, that was really the only precedent of this. But it, yeah. it's such a huge, huge task. It was, it was, I mean, it was effectively, I think that was going to be impossible for anybody, for any manager in the well, world. Well, well, football doesn't... Football doesn't accommodate managerial legacy now. No, that's no. essentially why. And, and yeah. you know, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit about this in the second half. But even at the time, it was very, very difficult to imagine another manager at United managing even half that time. You know, mm-hmm. um, despite Ferguson's best efforts and who he eventually had a big say in appointing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, David Moyes was the man to choose uh, that, that was chosen to replace him. The chosen one. Yes. We'll talk about his tenure at Manchester United after this. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. 
So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramble. I think I worked for 16 years here in England. I uh, would like a... Christmas argument! Arsene Wenger there. Another man with a legacy. Luke, what have you got to say? Well, we're on number two now, so you're running out of time to to suggest your biggest moment since 2007 to show at thefootballramble.com. We're going to unveil it on tomorrow's show, number one. So get in there quick if you can, uh, because the winner... We'll, or our favourite, I suppose, we'll select as the winner and now have that moment recorded in the new year on a special episode at Receive, a 55-inch 4K TV from Toshiba. Mm. Toshiba offers you the chance to watch every football match in 4K picture clarity. Whoa. Thanks to the TV's pinpoint sharp resolution, no detail, no flick or kick of the ball will ever be missed. Enjoy 24-7 access to a whole world of online content, including catch-up TV and on-demand services such as Netflix. With this TV, you can also access last week's shows on demand Whoa. with Freeview Play. And for an authentic audio experience, it also comes with a subwoofer Four. to project that bass sound. Don't just hear Pete Donaldson, but feel him. Yeah. Feel me. I am. So feel your, my nodules. For your chance to win, email him with your favourite moment from 2007 onwards to show at thefootballramble.com. Pete, what have you got as a suggestion this time around? Gareth Bale getting sold. Spurs replacing with Robert Soldado. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the Bale transfer saga. Mm. There we go. Let it not be that. Transfer sagas possibly could have been one, couldn't they? Yeah. They're, they're yeah. a very modern phenomenon, aren't they? Mm. They yeah. seem to go on for seasons and seasons and seasons. Carlos now. Tevez was basically involved in all of them in some way. Yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> Turn the strings in the background, if not in the front. Oh, then. We come to David Moyes. The bit that United fans probably would have switched off from. Yeah, <laughs> yep, it was... Some were surprised. Others thought, oh, maybe that makes sense. Ferguson had handpicked him. And I think people thought it was quite a, a nice appointment. You know what I mean? He, he'd sort of earned nice. his stripes at Everton. So I said at the time, I think that I said that they, they haven't hired David Moyes for the manager he is now. They've hired him for the manager they think he can become. Yeah. And although we spoke in the first half about Ferguson never really being overwhelmed by the endless progress um, that, that football goes through, I think looking back on it now, and it's easy to after time it, but looking back on it now, the mistake Ferguson made, who was absolutely instrumental in this appointment, mm-hmm. was that he didn't understand that legacies in football management no longer exist. Yeah. The last remaining one is Arsene Wenger at, at Arsenal in, in terms of the top flight, I would say, top leagues. Um, and it was never going to be sustainable because the, 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 the instant nature of football in the Premier League now means that David Moyes was on a hiding to nothing. They eventually finished seventh, mm. of course. But if they'd given him an, there's an absolute, it's unthinkable they would have given him another year. Yeah. yeah. Which is such a stunning contrast, isn't it? Yeah. But the thing is, when you're protecting a legacy, which in, in footballing sense they were trying to do in terms of winning trophies and stuff like that, actually you have to, you have to be very, very decisive because mm-hmm. you only have a certain amount of time before that starts to slip away. Completely. Moyes had pretty much the same squad that had won the, year, uh, won the league um, under Ferguson in the previous year, apart from Ryan Giggs, who'd retired. And it was the addition of Marouane Fellaini and Moyes being really pleased by that, which was an indicator. Yeah. I felt sorry for Zaha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was it was an indi- it was an indication that that Moyes didn't quite get the challenge in a way 
Do you know what I mean? I don't think anybody could get that mm. that uh, the, the job that, of 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 succeeding Ferguson. So that's not necessarily a slight on Moyes. But during his pre-season, there were reports that Manchester United it, it was all a bit of a disaster. They lost one nil to to Singer All Stars in the, in their Asia tour and Yoko Hammer Marinos. They lost two as well. These were I know it's only pre-season people. It doesn't really matter. But you don't lose games mm. like that. It were little indications that Moyes didn't quite fit the. The yeah. size of the job, or maybe you know the, I mean. the scale of his ambition wasn't just wasn't uh, you know ready for for the the task he'd been given, and perhaps as you say, he didn't quite get that. There's mm. a famous anecdote of um, him taking the players down to Bondi Beach in Australia oh, to train, right. um, and then just getting mobbed because it's it's Man United on the beach. Of, of course, yeah. that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, but Moyes just you know apparently didn't have the nous to figure out that I that'd also, be the case. I yeah. also think a big mistake he made in in retrospect is that he didn't leave anywhere near enough staff already in situ at the club. Yep. He insisted on bringing all his mm-hmm. coaches in. And if you read, um, I talked about before, that Carlo Ancelotti book, um, he says, I always leave one. Always always come along and have one already there. Mm-hmm. Because instantly then, if mm-hmm. I need to know how things are done, for, just for reference, I always know exactly what they used to do straight away. If you bring a whole new team in, like, like Moyes did, you start from scratch again. And players, and not even just players, but staff members, they're all quite set in their ways. They want to mm-hmm. feel comfortable in their job. Fine, sometimes they need a shake-up, but sometimes they want to feel comfortable. And that, that team's got no idea how, the, how it was done beforehand. And I think that's a big mistake. I think Moyes tried to turn Manchester United into his Everton. Yeah. And it, and it was just... Rather which than him which be, I think we yeah. can argue he successfully did. <laughs> he, he, he tried to turn United into Everton rather than United turning him into Ferguson. Basically. Yes, exactly. But it was a, it's important to point out, though, it was an impossible job anyway. It was. But when you walk up Sir Alex Ferguson way and play your football at yeah. the Sir Alex Ferguson stand, the man himself sat in the stadium, and you know, there's even someone was saying there's even like a burger van there named after Ferguson. Yeah. Everything's named after right. Alex yeah. Ferguson. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I hope be. so. Yeah, I hope so. No, um, no beers on sale, just red wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, he was trying to rehash what he did at Everton essentially, and there was a story, wasn't there, that. He was coaching Rio Ferdinand, and he said, "Well, look, Rio, this is how Phil Jagielka does stuff." And yeah. Ferdinand was just like, "What? What the hell? He's what's what he telling me that? Yeah, yeah." And 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 again, there was a bit of a, a bit of naivety from Moyes, understandably so. Yes, of course, it was a poison chalice taken over from Ferguson, but Moyes clearly wasn't the right man for the job. And but but do you know what was the, in the wider context for the rest of the Premier League? It was like the spell had been oh, broken. Well, yeah. Jim, you were having a lovely time, weren't you? Oh, it was great. We all were. The floodgates were open. Actually, yeah, no. We, Arsenal we, only lost 1-0. No, we lost 1-0 to a Robin Van Persie <laughs> header at Old Trafford <laughs> when everyone was having a great time. <laughs> Remember at the time we were saying there were fans from other clubs still in there celebrating. Well, <laughs> well Man, United, Man United lost 12 games that season, finishing 7th. West Brom, Everton, Newcastle, Tottenham, Liverpool, Man City and Sunderland. I think, I think that was the season where Newcastle won uh, at Old Trafford for the first time in my lifetime. Yeah, They did 1-0. 1-0. Yeah, yeah. Well, goodbye, the, wasn't it? All those sides I just mentioned yeah, all won at Old Trafford in the league that season. They, were, yeah. they became mere mortals like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Oddly, they reached the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They did actually pretty well there, but in, you know, again, in relative terms. But it was. The spell had been broken. Manchester United had dropped down to the level of other clubs. Mm. And I think the other clubs were bloody well relishing that. Mm. Now, Moyes lasted until April um, the following year. They fired him the day after they could no longer mathematically qualify for the Champions League. Is that right? I believe so, yeah. And then Giggsy came in. Giggsy came over for the remaining, I think, three games of the season. That gave fans a little bit of hope and and, and a little bit of cheer, thinking that maybe he could become Man United's Pep Guardiola. It wasn't to be. It wasn't to be, everybody. The following season, they got Louis van Hartling. Yeah, I think that was a bit of a bottle job by them. Mm. And I understand the financial pressures and all the rest of it with the Glazers' ownership and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But 
rightly or wrongly, however you judge their um, their, their subsequent sort of achievements, um, they they could have given it to Giggs. I mean, there's no real reason they they did. I mean, Van Gaal was only the, the problem is they went from trying to do, re- replace this legacy type appointment to just a load of short short yeah. appointments now with Van Gaal. But do you, now but do you not think with a sorry, Jim? Oh, I was going to say one of the interesting things is that that's new to them, isn't it? It's you know, replace, getting in a you know a heavyweight you know European manager with some pedigree is a new experience for that Man United board and for everybody at the club. So actually, this suddenly. Suddenly, it's all it's all new, and well, they're, they're before, naive, and they don't know what they're doing. Before, it compared to every other elite club being streets ahead of them. Before Moyes, that. they hadn't appointed a new manager since 1986. And you have That's to ridiculous. Do you reckon that part of like the machine was just really kind of rusty? Like, what do we do? <laughs> Where are all the forms? <laughs> Shit! Don't you also think it's worth pointing out that they also lost the forms? They also lost like David Gill at the same time. Yeah, that was a big loss. And he was like a sort of hand in glove worker with Ferguson, very mm-hmm. experienced sort of chief executive and and and, and administrator. And all that, we had all this saga with Ed Woodward, didn't we? And, mm-hmm. and he was very naive, and they got yeah. sort of. You know that it was. It wasn't clearly ninety-five percent of it, and and really, indeed, what we're talking about here is to do with Sir Alex Ferguson. But they lost other operators as well, which well, is very even difficult. even playing staff. Ferdinand Vidic and Evra left the club. Mm. Now, yes, they were they were older and they were moving on, but Ferguson could always squeeze an extra five or ten percent out of players, mm. sometimes even more. And also, he would have replacements ready. He would he would just know the lie of the land. He would he would reshape the team. Without Ferguson, there was no one there really to do that. And and Van Hal came in, and Welbeck and Darren Fletcher left, especially with specifically with Welbeck. The fans were unhappy. They were like, "Well, hang on, he came through our youth mm. team and all that kind of business. He's still a decent player. Why are you selling him to to one of our rivals and all that kind of stuff?" Van Hal didn't give a blooming shiny shite, did he? Mm. And and anyway, he spent big. Di Maria came in for huge money. Didn't really cut the mustard. There was a lot of big signings. Man United essentially threw money at the problem because they were worried that they'd miss out on Champions League again. Yeah. They'd missed out on the Champions League for the first time since the mid-90s. A club that big with that kind mm. of operation, well, you've got to be in the can, Champions you can, League. You can argue players like Marshall have kind of underperformed as soon... Well, he was like for the first few weeks, wasn't he? And then he kind of started yeah. underperforming and has been ever since, you'd say, for that kind of money. But he uh-huh. was very young. Yeah. I would say that Manchester United were taking to the cleaners by a lot of agents and yeah. other clubs because football players that came in mm-hmm. have not performed to their capacity in any way. You've got relatively new owners mm. at the time. You lost Gill, you lost Ferguson. It's absolutely... The, football, yeah. the, football, the world of football will eat people up. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Big Sam will eat Mashiri up at Everton mm. because he's not, he needs, he's not got experience as a, as a football club owner. But, you know, taking this back to Fergie, we talked at the start of this about, about how... You know, it's about the Ferguson era generally, not just at Man United. I wonder if it's really properly been expressed just how much the success, if you want to call it that, and I think really in these terms you are you are calling it a success, the, the Premier League has been purely down to Alex Ferguson's Manchester United. Mm. The first 20 years of what was quite a new project and a, and a new... It was before football had properly exploded. The Premier League is the most commercially successful and the most commercially viable league in anywhere on the planet. Um, a large part of that... It's not, it's not just because Man United won 13 in the first 20 years, 13 league titles. If they had won those 13 league titles playing terrible football, playing latter-day Mourinho football, would the Premier League be as successful? Mm. Yeah. It wouldn't. It, it made the Premier League the most marketable football league anywhere in the world. And Ferguson deserves, if you want to call it credit, because some people don't like what football's become, but if you assume that you still like football and you still watch it, Ferguson takes a huge amount of credit That's for that. That's correct. Mm. Well, the idea of the Premier League being this huge global brand um, and the, you know, the examples of the scale of it that we now see all the time is a relatively sort of new thing in terms of our awareness of it. But Man United were always that. 
Yeah. We always knew that they had tons of tons and tons of fans in China and the Middle East and all over the world. They were certainly the first club to do it in, in on that scale. Well, mm. they pioneered stuff like media channels, that like you know MUTV yeah. stuff like that. When other teams, you know, I'm sure everyone was watching Borough TV back in the day on cable, like oh, I was. Oh yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but MUTV was very much. Was that Geolock just for that reason? <laughs> I don't really know. Nobody else was watching it. What do you take from the, the Ferguson the Ferguson sort of tenure? What do you, when you look back at those Man United teams, what do you think? I think you're absolutely right. I think that, that Ferguson, you know, what I think is so interesting about Ferguson, in one sense, he was very old school, um, quite traditional in his approach and so on. In another sense, completely ahead of his time. And in another sense, completely in the present. Yeah. But the, the, the man was, you know, timeless in his approach and, and that kind of thing. He didn't get 100% of the things right. No human being will ever do that. Uh, but the, the, the way that his... I, I sort of spell cast itself in English football, and then in the wider context, as you say, in the kind of globalized game, was just amazing. And I, I like the fact that Ferguson, he always wanted to entertain the fans. You know, he was aware of the working man. He was mm. aware that, that that football fans came along, wanted to be entertained, they wanted to have a bit of a cheer, and he gave them, he gave those fans that so many moments, so many cheers. And on all the rest of it over the years, the same can't be said about Van Hal. No, forty-nine league goals in thirty-eight games. No, that's not Man United football. <laughs> no. Ferguson was also ahead of his time in uh, in terms of like manipulating being referees. Yeah, 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 totally. yeah. Being a baddie as well. You know, he wasn't yeah. as bad as like Mourinho, but he was he was a baddie. He, he was more crafty. Time, You're right. He was crafty. There was a sort of a, a slight imperial feel about mm. Ferguson and, and the siege mentality that you know people always talk about with uh, Manchester United sides and stuff and Fergie time and all that stuff. Absolutely. Mourinho not... would have learned a lot of that stuff from Ferguson. Oh, one hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The way he used to call him, he used to call him boss, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well, now we have Mourinho at Manchester United. And, you know, despite Van Hal winning the FA Cup, of course, there was a bit of a cheer there. He was sacked two days after that. Rather annoyed, but I think he went away yeah. quietly, though. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but I don't think we're ever going to see a legacy appointment at a big club ever again. No. I, 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 Mourinho wants one. He, that, well, that's the, but he's not capable so of it. So he claims. Think. They're trying to... They, yeah. the, the, Mourinho is making all the right noises in terms of what he says, but what he does is it may be a little bit different. And I, I still don't mm. remain anywhere near convinced that we'll see Mourinho there for a very big, long time. Big, big club legacies like that aren't going to happen again. Mid-table, kind of dash at Burnley, those kind of things well, might ha- might happen for even, 10 years, 15 years. But like, Even it, lower than that, Pete, like uh, Paul Tisdale, extra, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. But there's not as, the spot, with respect to them, there's no real expectation. The spotlight is not firmly on them. Yeah, I, 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 you're right. It's I on his dress sense. Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. I don't think you can realistically be, expect anyone to sustain it under that mm. sort of scrutiny anymore. Yeah. Diego Simeone at Atletico Madrid, there could be a bit of a legacy there, but it's it's not the same. Mm. And, and, and it's and better that Alex Ferguson had his best years pre-24-hour social media rolling news. Do that, you think? That would have helped. That would I have mean, helped. That, that might have been a massive distraction. That, I mean, that was still there when he, he was He still there. would have had that a bit. He still would li- have, yeah. I, mean, not, I mean, not as much as now, though. I mean... Mm. It's like, it certainly only seems to be going one way, isn't it? Certainly. But I think with Manchester United fans, you know, they, want, they won't let go of that Ferguson legacy. You know, how many times do we hear them chanting attack, attack, attack? And, yeah. you know, with, with young players. I mean, you know, Mourinho, he has played a few youngsters, don't get me wrong, but that's not his forte. He likes to spend a lot of money. And, and that kind of... Well, Mourinho, I, Mourinho likes... I mean, a lot's made of that, but essentially what it comes down to is Mourinho likes predictability yeah. and younger players are mar- much more unpredictable. Completely. So he won't favour them. Completely. Mm. And so and so, Marie, and so, Manchester United fans looking for young players coming through, yeah, they'll always have that a little bit. But looking for attack in football, basically looking for uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, it, it's finished. And, and as you say, there is no real time for legacy anymore in, in the modern game. I mean, look, Mourinho's Manchester United, 
they've got a bit of the feel good factor back at Manchester United. They've they've, they've turned Old Trafford back into a fortress. The, the sort of Champions League and league form is decent. But the one thing, Man City are the big boys now. Exactly. They are the noisiest of all the neighbours. But the thing is, though, I mean, those Man United fans as as chastening as it must be to to be experiencing that. They have lived through you know one of the greatest periods of 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 the sport, one yeah. of the greatest stewardships um, the, the game will ever see. So, you know, that can't, to a loved it, and lost. Absolutely. It can't mm. be repeated. So, mm-hmm. you know, just be thankful that you, you got to experience it at all because it's phenomenal. But when Liverpool, just to finish, when Liverpool failed to defend their crown in 1991, no would have thought they would have go 26 years and counting without another league title. Due to Guardiola's Man City and other factors, could be a while yet until Man United are crowned Premier League champions again. Mm. We shall have to wait and see, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to number two of our 12 Rambles of Christmas, a daily countdown of what we see as the 12 defining topics in football since we began the football ramble back in 2007. One left. One left. One left, gentlemen. You've got less than 24 hours to get your suggestions in because we are unveiling our favourite of your suggestions that's going to win a Toshiba TV and have the moment recorded on tomorrow's show, number one in what we think is the biggest moment or the biggest theme since we started the show in 2007. Show at thefootballramble.com. Thank you very much, Jimmy. See ya. Thank you very much, Lukey. Yeah, yeah. Um, bit of Fergie time at the end. Thank yeah. you very much, Petey. <laughs> For 90 minutes, you let you go. United, here we go. Glory, glory, man, United. And a knighthood for the Queen. 12 points that one season, wasn't it? Shut up.